This is Kenny Green, the lead pastor of City Light Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith as we dive into the life-changing, life-giving Word of God. I hope you enjoy this message. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in this room and that you're here bringing dead things back to life. You're bringing hope to the hopeless, help to the helpless, light to the darkness. And God, we praise you for how you're moving now. God, let us clear our minds, our hearts, our lives of any hindrances or distractions that might come against your word from doing its full work in our lives. God, we ask that as we continue to worship through your word, that we would lead change by it. God, that the word would be a mirror and it would show us what we really look like. That the light would shine into the darkness and the hidden parts of our souls that we would leave here looking more like Jesus. We beg you now, it's in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Y'all may be seated, high five about three people and say you look good today. Tell them you look good today. Welcome to City Light Church. I wanna welcome our Monego campus, our online campus, everybody that's watching online right now, everybody that's here in person at the Chattanooga campus. Could we all just give God a big crazy praise wherever we're at? Come on, give God a crazy praise. It's amazing to see what God has been doing. We saw someone give their life to Christ this morning in our nine o'clock service. Last week, last Sunday across two campuses, we saw 14 people pass from death to life. Yes, come on and give God a crazy dance and praise. That was kind of weak, but we'll move on. We'll move on from it. If I'm up here shouting with no voice, you best be shouting out there today. And uh, God gave us a voice to shout. Amen. Hey, uh, for those of you that may just be joining us for the first time, you may not know that we've been in a mini-series called Get Ready. We're talking about getting ready uh, for the move of God that we're about to see on Easter Sunday. We've been expecting, we've been believing, we've been praying, we've been inviting, and we really do. We have big expectation over all that God is about to do in our midst. Last week, that's exactly what we talked about, big expectation expecting God to move, expecting miracles, signs, and wonders. Hopefully, you've been walking in some of that big, radical faith. Hopefully, you've been praying big, you've been believing big, and hopefully, that expectation has been leading to some invitation. You've been inviting people, and and you've been serving people and loving people with the love of Christ. Today, we continue the series uh, by continuing with that same thought. Today, I want to take a few minutes, and I want to talk about this subject, Everyone's Invited everyone's invited. Somebody shout everyone. Aren't you glad that when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the kingdom of God, the purpose of God, that everybody gets an invitation? 
that nobody gets left out. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your life is like. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't even matter what your present looks like, that God uh, comes to you out of his love and his grace and his mercy, and he invites you to come to him in faith. And so today we're talking about that subject, everyone's invited Because you may be wondering, well, who should I be inviting or who's invited to our Easter services? And here's what you need to know. Everyone's invited. Everyone is invited. Hopefully you're inviting everyone. Hopefully you're inviting different types of people. And hopefully you're inviting people that are far from God. Come on, somebody. And so everyone is invited, regardless of their background, regardless of what they're involved in, regardless of what their sin of choice is. Come on. They they are invited. They are welcome here. Uh, This is a place of grace. In fact... If you want to know where we got that ministry idea, we got that from the ministry of Jesus. It wasn't something that we came up with as a church. It's just simply something that we have studied and observed about the life and the ministry of Jesus. In fact, Scripture is very clear all throughout that everyone is invited. Uh, The Bible says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 21. It says, and everyone, somebody shout everyone. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 11, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 40, for my father's will is that everyone, shout everyone, is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I love the whoever's. I love the anyone. I love the everyone's. I love the fact that everyone is invited when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's amazing to me to see that when Jesus did ministry, you will notice something very powerful. You will see that he invited others and accepted people that others rejected. That he invited people and accepted people that others would not accept, that others would reject. And one major aspect we see to the life and the ministry of Jesus is this, and this is our big idea for today. And so if you don't get anything else that I say today, if you just get this and just write this down, maybe take a picture of it, put it in your notes in your phone. Uh, But this is our main thought for today. Jesus invited everyone just as they were. Just as they were. The good news is, is that you can come to Jesus just as you are. He didn't say, hey, you need to fix this, you need to stop this, you need to start this, and then you can come to me. No, he would say, hey, come to me just as you are, and they would come to him just as they were. But here's what's so amazing. They never left like he found them. So you can come to Jesus just as you are, but just be prepared. You will never leave like you came. He doesn't just accept you as you are and love you where you are and allow you to stay stuck where you are your entire life, but he changes you. The grace says that God accepts you just as you are. The truth says that you will never leave the same, that he changes you, that he wants to set you free. For who the son sets free is free indeed, amen? But Jesus invites everyone just as they are. And that's great news for somebody that may be here today and feel like that you've never really belonged in church. That's good news for somebody that may be here today and you feel like you never really measured up spiritually. Uh, That's good news for somebody that may be here today and may be caught in some type of major sin that is destroying your life. And you wonder if God will accept you. You wonder if God loves you. You wonder if God could forgive you for the things that you're doing and for the things that you've done. The good news is the answer to that 
that question is yes, he can and he will. He accepts you. He invites you just as you are, but he never leaves you like he found you. And we see this at the heart of how Jesus did ministry. We see it at how he reached out to people and how he accepted people that others rejected. And this is really the heartbeat behind everything we do as a church at City Light. We want to be a place where everyone can come. We want to be a place of grace. We want to be a place where people can come and be in a safe environment where they can share their struggles, their hurts, their habits, their hangups, all of the things that are going on in their life that they don't want anybody to know about, that they can come and find a community of people that they can share those things with so they can get free from those things. Amen? And so they can experience the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. And so we want people to know that they are welcome as they come, but we also want people to know that there is power available for you to be changed. Amen? That you don't have to live in bondage anymore. You don't have to stay stuck in the same place you've been stuck in in your whole life. That God loves you enough to change you. Amen? And so today, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture And we're going to see Jesus accept a woman that everybody else had been rejecting. We're going to see him reach out to a woman that everybody else had isolated and and ostracized. And and we will see Jesus change this woman's life. And you will notice that when nobody could fix her, when nobody could understand her, when nobody could help her, and when she couldn't help herself, she met a man named Jesus and he did all that for her. And it's a story of God's love. It's a story of his mercy and his grace. It's a story of the power of truth. And it's found in John chapter 8. And so you can find your way there to John chapter 8. We'll begin reading in verses 1 through 11. And we will see that Jesus invites people just as they are, but he never leaves them like he found them. He changes them. He redirects them. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that God is going to use this message today in the life of someone that maybe walked into a church and you're wondering, will I be accepted here? You're you're wondering, will I be welcomed here? You're wondering, is this a place where I can really belong? Maybe you know what it's like to walk into a church and not feel invited. Come on, somebody. Maybe you know what it's like to walk into a church and you came there for help, but instead of getting help, you actually got hurt. Are y'all with me? And you're wondering how it will go. You're wondering, will they love me? You're wondering, will they accept me? And you're wondering, will they look down on me? The fact of the matter is, is we have created a place where you can come and you can be welcome. Amen? And hopefully from the parking lot to the, to the auditorium, you have experienced the love of Jesus Christ through our amazing serve teams. Amen? Can we just give God some praise for our amazing volunteers that make it happen every single week? And hopefully it's just helped you kind of take those walls down and realize that, hey, yeah, I'm here and my life's messed up. And yeah, I've made some bad decisions. And maybe you feel like God could never forgive you. And there's no way that God could welcome me. But today, you're going to hear maybe for the first time in your life that Jesus still invites you just as you are. That he welcomes you just as you are. And he still died for you. And he still loves you. And he still has a plan for you. And then for those of you that are here and you're a Christian... But maybe you've become a little spiritually prideful, right? You've got it all figured out now, right? And you're, you feel like your purpose and your calling is to go and tell everybody else how they're wrong. 
and how right you are. And you've become like the Jesus police. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and there's no need for the Holy Spirit because you're the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm talking about. And you don't let anybody discover things on their own. Never let God reveal it to them. You feel like you have to reveal it to them because you've got the answers and you've got it figured out. And you have become very critical. You've become very judgmental. And as a result, you have lost yourself in spiritual pride to the point that you can't be effective anymore for the kingdom of God. And you may be in that situation now where you find yourself looking down on others, where you find yourself kind of distancing yourself from reaching out to people that really are desperate for God in their life. But you can't see it because your nose is stuck up too high in the air. So, so it may be that you relate to this woman in this passage that is guilty as charged. She knows she's messed up and God forgives her for how she sinned against God. You may relate to the Pharisees and the religious elite that had became uh, unjustly judgmental and overly critical, and they were challenged to drop the rocks of judgment and pick up the love and the mercy and the grace and the truth of God and go and extend it to people that were nothing like them. You may be here today, and you may find yourself going through a trial. You may be here today, find yourself going through something that is outside of your control. Uh, Maybe you're here, and you're struggling with a certain sin in your life. Christian, you're saved, but you've got a sin in your life, but you would never tell anybody that you've got a sin in your life or that you've got to struggle with sin in your life because church has become the place where we come for an hour and a half and we pretend and we're, we act like we're perfect. And it's become the fakest place on planet earth on Sunday mornings for the hour and a half that they meet. Because we feel like if we don't look perfect, if we feel like we don't have it all together, then it will disqualify us for a relationship with God and from other people. And so we put on this spiritual facade and we keep all of these secret sins hidden. And as a result, we're never able to walk in freedom from them. And we stay stuck in mediocrity and we live beneath the level that God has called us to live. And the fact of the matter is, you don't have to live that way anymore. You can let some people in on that struggle that can help walk you through and have victory in your life where you experience the love, the mercy, the grace of God, but you also walk in the truth of his word. Amen? And all of those things can happen all at the same time. Do you know that you can speak truth into somebody's life and love them at the same time? And do you know that even though you disagree with the truth that they speak into your life, doesn't mean that you have to think that they don't love you. Are y'all with me? That you can have love and then you can have the truth of God's word. You can have grace and you can have mercy and you can have justice and truth all at the same time. But we have to have both. So we're going to talk about it and we're going to learn in this passage that everyone is invited just as they are, but they never left like they came. The Bible teaches in verse 1 of John chapter 8. Are y'all ready for the word? Just shout, oh yeah, if you're ready for the word. The Bible teaches, it says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. That's interesting. How did that happen? Caught her in the very act. What was going on there? You know, you just, gotta, you just don't know what was going on there, but... It's, It's kind of weird, isn't it? Now, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? 
This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Jesus was cool like that, wasn't he? So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Ooh, dropping bombs. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard of being convicted by their conscience, they went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, guys, by the way, don't say that to your wife. Woman, Jesus could do it, but we can't get you in trouble real quick. Just doing what Jesus did. I'm trying to be like Christ. Woman. I wonder if he said it like that. Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Verse 11 is packed tight. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin. No more. One of the key points that we see in this passage is that we see Jesus accepting a person and inviting a person just as she is, but he doesn't leave her like he found her. Jesus invited everyone just as they were, but he never left them like he found them. There was change that took place. And so our story, if you could picture this in your mind, our story begins with Jesus and he's teaching early in the morning in the temple and he's sitting down and he's teaching and a large crowd has gathered around to hear him. And as he is teaching in the middle of a sermon and it's getting good, in the middle of that, the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious elite of the day, the people that everybody looked up to, the people that everybody wanted to be like, They come barging in through the temple and they drag a woman in the midst of everybody that is there, this large crowd, and they bring her before Jesus and they say, we have caught this woman in the very act of adultery, which is concerning how did you catch her in the act of adultery? Were you like peeping through the window or were you following her? Was it like your buddy or you know what? And so that's interesting, but we won't get into that. But they drag her in, in front of everyone, in, in the midst of this large crowd of people, and they begin to put her sin in front of everybody. Could you imagine the shame? Could you imagine the embarrassment she must have been feeling in that moment, having her sin and the things that she's struggling with out there in front for everybody to hear and see? And you're like, well, that's what she did. She should have been doing that. Well, how would you like it if we decided to just put all of your sins from last week up on this big LED wall? You would run out of this room by the time we move to the next slide. Come on, somebody. And so there was shame, there was embarrassment, and they're handling it, and it doesn't look like it's going to end up very good for this woman. It looks like she very well could not survive this, that she could die, that she could be stoned to death. And so they look to Jesus, and they say, well, the law of Moses, Moses says that we're supposed to stone her. This is what's interesting. The law of Moses said that the man and the woman were supposed to be stoned to death. They didn't want to talk about that, did they? Maybe because one of the men was one of them. We don't know, but maybe so. 
And so Jesus, the law of Moses, says that we are supposed to stone her. But we want to know, what do you say about this? Come on, Jesus, you're the rabbi, you're the Messiah, you're the son of God. You're healing people, you're bringing people back to life. You're opening the eyes of the blind. We want to know, what do you say? And they're not saying this and asking them this because they want to know what God's law says to do. They're doing this because they want to trip them up. They're doing this because they want to trap him so they could find him guilty of something. And it really is a hard question. It's a tricky question. And so they've really come up with a good way to trap Jesus. But Jesus is the best at getting out of these things. And, and because here's the thing. If he would have said, no, don't stone her, well, then he would have violated the law of Moses. And all the Jews that were following him and helping him would have deserted him and would have left him in that moment. If he said, yes, go ahead and stone her, uphold the law of Moses, they would have executed her, and then the Romans would have arrested him because he executed a person by his judgment without their approval. And so if he says, yes, he's danged if he does. If he says, no, he's danged if he So either way, it's a very difficult situation. And so what Jesus does is so amazing. It's so, it's so brilliant. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't respond at all. And everybody's on the edge of the seat. They're waiting. They're wanting to, how is Jesus going to get out of this one? What is he going to say? You could have cut the tension with the knife. And everybody is waiting for Jesus to respond. And he doesn't say anything. He doesn't say a word. Instead, he stoops down and he starts riding in the sand. Doesn't respond at all. Doesn't speak. He stays silent. Do you know that sometimes the best response to some things is no response? You can't go fight every dog that comes barking at you. Amen. You will wear yourself out real quick fighting battles that God never intended for you to fight. And so don't wear yourself out doing that. Sometimes you just don't even respond at all. Sometimes the greatest response is no response. Sometimes the greatest response is just silence. So he gets down and he starts writing things in the sand. And the Bible doesn't tell us what he writes in the sand. That's what makes this a little mystery to it. It's kind of interesting. It's intriguing. And a lot of scholars have debated, and there's a lot of different schools of thought. And, and because I don't have anything better to do, because I only work for a couple hours on a Sunday, right? That's what pastors do. And the rest of the week, I just watch my Bible just hover over my desk. You know, anything to, you know I'm joking, right? Uh, but, but I studied this, and I looked at this, and some scholars believe that maybe he stooped down, and he started writing the Ten Commandments and the Law of Moses. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit murder. Thou shalt honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt not commit adultery. And Jesus had just taught, just a, just a few chapters prior, he took it to a completely different level. He said, I know that the Bible says, I know that the law says you shall not commit adultery. He said, but if you look at a person with lust, it is just as if you have committed the act of adultery. And so maybe he's writing that and then got them all, right? Like they all guilty as charged. Other scholars believe, and this one's pretty powerful, that maybe he got down and he started writing the sins of the individual men that were there to cast stones at this woman. That would get you dropping the rocks really quick, right? And so whatever happens, he finally stands up and he finally speaks after writing some things in the sand. And he says, he who is without sin cast the first stone at her. He said that and then he stooped back down and he said, I got to get a couple more, y'all. And he's writing in the sand just in case they didn't get it, just in case they missed it. And what Jesus is saying here, don't miss this. What he's saying is, is which one of you in this circle? 
Which one of you are worthy enough to be this woman's judge? Which one of you has the right? And if he would have said stoner, he would have been arrested by the Romans. If he said don't stoner, the Jews would have all left him. So what he said was brilliant. He said, if you are without sin, go ahead and stoner. But if you have sin in your own life, you have no right to cast the first stone. And the Bible says one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their rocks and they turned away from Jesus. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Why was it from the oldest to the youngest? Well, here's the thing about as you get older and the more you mature and the longer you follow Christ, the more sin you have to remember. Come on, somebody. The more opportunities you have had to mess up and the older you get, you realize and the closer you grow to Christ, the more messed up you realize you are. (laughs) Because the closer you get to Jesus, the more aware you become of sin in your life. There's things when I first gave my life to Christ, I didn't know any better. Come on, somebody. I didn't know until I started discovering things in his word. And then you look back on your life, you're like, oh, wow, I thought I was doing good, but oh, I was a big mess. And then you realize I'm still a mess. And the Bible says that the oldest got it first, and then one by one, they dropped the rocks and they turned away. And ironically, the ones that came to put a woman to shame left ashamed. The ones that came to condemn a woman left condemned themselves. The ones that came putting this woman's sin in front of everybody left with their own sin being exposed. And this is where this is so sad because they were right in front of the Messiah, y'all. They were right in front of the Son of God. And right in the midst, right here, this is what's happening. Their conscience convicted them, but they never repented and they never trusted in Christ. Do you know they could have humbled themselves before the feet of Jesus just like this woman did and could have left change and and redeemed and renewed and they could have experienced freedom just like she did and they could have been rescued from their sins that they were guilty of, but they all dropped the rocks and left with their heads held down, defeated. And when they could have turned to Jesus, they turned away from him. I wonder which one you will be today. Whether you're the woman and you got sin in your life, whether you're the Pharisee and you're judgmental and you're critical. I wonder if you will drop it and lay it at his feet and turn to him or if you will turn away from him and keep living the same way you've been living and stay stuck in the same place you've been stuck in your whole life. They all dropped the rocks, and they left with their heads held down, defeated and shameful. And what I believe God wants us to learn from that is this, is that we're real good at pointing out the sins of others, and we're really bad at acknowledging our own. Oh, we're so good at talking about how you missed the mark and talking about how you messed up, but we're real terrible at acknowledging our own. You wouldn't be nearly as judgmental if you would spend just as much time acknowledging your own sins as you do pointing out the sins of everybody else. If you could get that, your life would change. Do you know those people? Like, and they make themselves look silly. Why well, yeah, somebody come to me? Imagine this. They come say, well, pastor, did you hear about so-and-so? And what they're doing. They've been following Jesus for two years. And listen to what they're doing. And I look at him and say, you remember what you were doing when you were following Jesus for two years? I led you to Christ, boy. 
Remember how messed up you were? How crazy you were? And it took you five years to get that right. And now you want somebody else to get it in five minutes? You know why we're so judgmental? You want to know why we beat people down when we should be building them up? It's because we have forgotten where we've come from. We've forgotten how messed up we were. We forgot how jacked up our life was. And, and the thing about it is, is you forget that before Christ, nobody wanted you. Everybody was talking about you. Nobody received you. Nobody invited you. Nobody accepted you. But when nobody would invite you, Jesus stepped into your life and invited you and accepted you and loved you just as you were. And you want somebody else to change before they sat next to you in church. Are you kidding me? We love people with too many strings attached. We wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for where we were. Don't forget where you came from. And if you would remind yourself, don't forget to remember. Don't forget to remember how bad off you were before Christ. You were guilty, under condemnation. You deserved death. You deserved hell. That's the truth. But thanks be to the grace of God. He rescued you. Thanks be to God that he invited you and he fixed you when you couldn't fix yourself. Thanks be to God that he changed you when you couldn't change yourself. And instead of condemning you, he showed you grace and mercy and he changed everything about your life. We need to quit expecting people to get well before they come to church with us. Hey, will you come to church with us? But don't be wearing that. Please don't wear that. Honey, you know what you got on right now. Don't wear that to church if you come to sit by me. Hey, I know you like to drink. I know you like to get high. But hey, before you come to church, just make sure you ain't got none of that on you. How stupid would it be for you to be sick, hurt, bleeding, need to go to the hospital, and you get there and they say, oh, honey, honey, you need to go home and get better before you come here. That'd be the worst hospital you've ever been to. And there are churches like that and they're the worst churches to go to. I said it last week, I'll say it again. This is not a museum of perfect people. This is a hospital for the broken. This is a place... Where no matter how messed up you are, how bad you're bleeding, how, how big of a mess your life is, that you can come and get better here in this hospital. Here's what I also realized. It's easy to judge others and look down on them and pick up rocks when you're blinded from seeing your own sin. You do realize you still sin, right? I know that just really kicked some of y'all off your high horse, didn't it? You know you still sin, right? Some of you are like, no, I don't. Well, you're, you're so far from God, you can't even, you're not even aware of it. That's more, that's more dangerous than anything. You're so far off, you can't, you're not even aware of how sin. And here's why it's never okay to pick up rocks. You ready for this? Because we're all still a little messed up. 
We're all still growing through things. We're all still being taken from glory to glory, being transformed into the image of Jesus. And we're all in a process. So it's never okay for us to pick up rocks. And it's good for us to remind ourselves, you know what? Hey, I am a little messed up. There are still some things in my life that are pretty dysfunctional. I was sitting there as we were worshiping. I was, I was bowing my head in prayer because I found myself slipping into dysfunctional behavior this week. And I was like, what was I doing? I'm sinful. And that doesn't mean that I should just keep doing it. It means I should recognize it and be under conviction of the Holy Spirit that is sweeping through this room and then give it to God and go and sin no more. That's grace and that's truth all at the same time. But we're all a little messed up. Why don't we just, why don't we just do this together? Say, I'm messed up. Look to your neighbor and say, you're messed up. You notice how it got a little louder when you said you're messed up? One more time. I'm messed up. You're messed up. We're all messed up. We're all in this together. Nobody's better than the person sitting next to the other person. And when you're confronted with your own sin, and when you see your sin for what it is, it's almost like it throws you out of the rock-throwing business altogether. And you'll never pick them up again. You can love people. You can speak truth. But you can extend mercy and grace all at the same time. Here's what I want to try to encourage us to do. Stop spending so much time looking at everybody else. And go to the mirror of God's word and look at yourself. Look at yourself. <laughs> look at yourself. You know what I tell my kids? Because my kids have a hard time looking at themselves. They want to look at what the other one's doing. And I got Ken telling me what this one's doing. And I even got Jordan, who ain't even two yet, telling on the other ones. Ken, Nigel, he can't even hardly talk. But he come, and he's telling and, and Kenton's almost seven. He knows, he knows better. Like, boy, you was just doing the same thing ten minutes ago. You are not in a place to be Elijah's guide and father right now. You're not responsible enough yourself. And so this is what I tell him. Stay in your own hula hoop. That's what I tell him. Why are you getting in his hula hoop? You know, a hula hoop, when you got it around you, you can only go so far. It's like a bumper. It's, it keeps you out of other people's business. Somebody told me one time, one of my recovery coaches told me, he said, he said, why are you jumping in my hula hoop right now? Go back to your hula hoop because you've got enough problems in your own to be worrying about what i got going on in my hula hoop. I thought about coming up here with a hula hoop today, but I can't hula hoop anymore. <laughs> Remember back when we were kids, we could do it like five minutes and you'd be like in those little contests. But I do it now. I look like I'm just like, it looks, it's absolutely so embarrassing that I refuse to do that today to drive home this message. But I think it would be good for us to be mindful and say, you know what? I got enough problems in my own hula hoop to be pointing my fingers at you and what you got going on in your hula hoop. Now, if you want me to come and help you and, and God leads me to do that, then I will. But I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to criticize you. I'm not here to love you to your face and talk about you behind your back. I'm here because I love you. Here's the thing. We are so good at discovering other people's sins, and then we criticize them before God. God, do you see what they're doing? 
God, why don't you fix this? God, won't you? And you're bringing it to God and you're criticizing them before God. God didn't put that on your radar so you could talk about them and criticize them and tear them down. He put it on your radar so you could go to them and love them and build them up and bring them before God in prayer. So stop being the Holy Spirit for everybody. Sometimes God wants you to preach to somebody. Sometimes he wants you to pray for somebody. There's been times I love to preach. I'll preach and I'll tell you and I'll tell you and I'll tell you. But then there are other times where God tells me, don't go preach to them. Just pray for them. And do you know the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, came to convict the world of sin. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is a great convictor? That sometimes you don't got to say anything. And then the people that I were praying for came to me and they would come to me and say, man, I just got to tell you. The Lord's really been convicting me this week of something. Oh, really? Do, 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 do. You feel like you're in the twilight zone because something supernatural is taking place because you prayed for God to do something and they didn't even know you were praying it. And then it began to happen. You'll see God do more through that than you ever will any sermon you preach. We got to stop trying to fix people and just stick to loving people. Isn't that what Billy Graham said? We can't fix anybody. We just bring them to the one that can fix anybody. His name is Jesus. So Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, the religious, suck up church people. <laughs> not us, not City Light Church. We're far from that, you know. <laughs> the people that think that they're better than everybody else. He was saying, you have no right to judge this woman because you have sinned yourself. And the only one that has the right to be the just judge with pure motives is the one who is perfect and holy and without sin. And the only one in the crowd that day that had that was Jesus, who lived a perfect, sinless, impeccable life in every single way. And after they all dropped the rocks and left, Jesus stands back up and he asked the woman in verse 11, it's so amazing, he says, woman, Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The magnitude of verse 11, I can't can't overstate how big it is and how much truth is locked in that one verse about our Savior and who Jesus was and who Jesus is and what we see on display so beautifully in that single verse is two major truths and two major characteristics of who Jesus is and a lot of times the world and Christians try to separate the two because they think the two contradict each other they don't contradict each other they complement each other in fact one without the other is not Jesus at all And the two massive truths that are here in that one verse is that Jesus is full of grace, but he is also full of truth. And a lot of people struggle managing the tension between those true massive realities of who Jesus is. And a lot of people today, especially in this offended world that we live in today, says that you can't have truth and have grace at the same time. And say you can't have grace and truth. You can't have those two things together. And people will try to separate those two things. And so here's the problem. When you're really extreme in grace, you'll say, well, you can do whatever you want, however you want. And it'll be okay. There'll never be any consequences. Just keep doing what you're doing. Right? And then you have those that are really extreme in truth. 
And they say it's all about working your way in. It's all about religion and rules and legalism. Grace says, I accept you just as you are. Truth says you're a long ways from ever being accepted. That you've got a long ways to go. Grace says you don't have to work at it at all. Truth says you can never work enough. Both are very important. And you have to have both because one without the other is not Jesus. Are y'all tracking with me? Jesus was grace and truth in a body. And we see a perfect picture of it in verse 11. When Jesus said this, he said, he's without sin. Cast the first stone. He wasn't condemning her of her sin, but he wasn't condoning her sin either. He wasn't condemning it, but he wasn't okay with it. He never said, hey, you know, I know you deserve this, and you know it's okay. I'm going to take the punishment for you, so you ain't got to worry about it, and just keep on doing what you're doing. That's not what he said, was it? He said, I don't condemn you. What is that? That's grace. But then he said, go and stop doing what you're doing. That's truth. And Jesus had it all wrapped in one verse. Jesus says, listen, they have left because they have no right to judge you. But I am the one that is worthy. I am the just judge. I have lived for 33 years and I have never sinned, not one single time. I am the beginning and the end. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the first and the last before anything was, I was. And the reason Jesus could forgive her and the reason he could set her free and the reason why he could stop them from giving her the punishment that she rightfully deserved according to the law is because he knew he was about to go to the cross and take the punishment that she should have got upon himself on Calvary's hill. And so that's grace and that's truth because the truth says that sin cannot go unpunished. The truth is that yes, he is a God of grace, but he is also a God of justice and he cannot let sin go Unchecked, He does not wink his eye at sin. That's why Jesus went to the cross, because sin had a wage, and the wage was death. And the fact of the matter is, is we've all sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, and we all deserve death, hell, punishment, and condemnation. That's the truth. That's what truth says. But what grace says, come on, somebody. Grace says... That we don't have to be punished and we don't have to go to hell when we die and we don't even ever have to die because grace stepped in and got between us and the wrath and the judgment of God. And so can you see it? Jesus on the cross absorbed the full wrath of God upon himself so you and I don't have to experience it. There's a big theological term in in, in 1 John, it says that he is the propitiation for our sin. Well, that's a big word. Let's just skip over it. No, it's a powerful word. In the Greek, it literally means that he satisfied the wrath and just demands of a holy God in heaven. And the punishment that you and I were supposed to take on, he took on upon himself. Let me give you another picture of it. The first time that that Greek word is used in scripture, it's used in Hebrew. And it was used, whoo, this is gospel. It was used to refer to the pitch that was put on Noah's ark that kept the judgment of God from touching him. 
So the first time we see propitiation is the word pitch, propitch, pitch. And it was the pitch that kept the ark together as the judgment of God bashed against it. And the judgment and the wrath of God was poured out on the earth. And everybody died except those that were in the ark. Why? The pitch. It was a covering that got between them and God's wrath. What is the blood of Jesus? It's the pitch. It's what got between you and the wrath of God. You know what it is? It's the place where grace and truth intersected at the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And because there is a gospel, and because there was bad news first, there is good news that comes next. And that's what makes the good news so good, is that there was first some bad news. That's truth, and that's grace colliding at the cross. And so now everybody is invited. Everyone is welcome because of what Jesus did for us on our behalf. I want you to know something. Pointing out the woman's sins didn't set her free from the sin. Judging her lifestyle didn't set her free from her lifestyle. Shaming her didn't set her free that day. You want to know what changed her? The fact that Jesus accepted her when everybody else rejected her. And she was so moved by it and so changed by it that she was able to go and leave much differently than when she came into that temple that day. He invites you just as you are, but get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. He's not going to leave you like he found you. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. And everyone's invited. Listen, if you're here today and you've doubted God, you've questioned God, you've been hurt by God, maybe you've even been hurt by God's people, Jesus wants you to know you're invited. Even if you tried to walk away from God, maybe you failed God. Maybe you shook your fists at God. You're still invited. Maybe you filed bankruptcy, considered suicide, cursed God on your fifth marriage and had four divorces and committed adultery and you just did the whole shebang. You're still invited. It doesn't matter how high you got last night. It doesn't matter how angry you are on the inside. It doesn't matter how messed up you are. You are invited. Jesus can change your life. He can change anybody at any time, at any moment. Give God some praise if you're glad that you're invited. You're invited. I'm invited. She's invited. He's invited. The one that's got a needle in their arm in an alley in the city is invited. Everybody's invited. Come just as you are. Church, we have to start inviting. And who are we going to invite? Everyone. Why? We need to. The Bible's clear on it. You know, we were, we were doing an outreach yesterday and we were out inviting people. We were going to a lot of places that were close to the church, and we got back to the church, and then some more people showed up, so we were about to go back out. I was like, man, I was tired. I didn't want to go back out. Allergies were flaring up on me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I just want to go home and go sleep. But the Lord has pushed us to go back out, and I had this thought because when God called my wife and I to come to Chattanooga, we know Chattanooga very well. We know the different parts. We Went to Bible college here. We did a lot of outreach ministry, a lot of evangelism. It's some really rough parts of the neighborhood. Matter of fact, some of our first dates was knocking on doors, sharing Jesus with people over off Dobbs Ave, 
over in some rough parts. A lot of places nobody else wanted to go to, we'd go to. See a lot of people come to faith in Christ, even bring them into the church, see them baptized. People would criticize for it because of what they look like, how they smelled. Oh, it made me so mad. So when God called us to Chattanooga, I said, you know what? We ain't going to have one of them churches where everybody thinks they're better than everybody else. And they stick their noses up in the air. I said, you know what? We're going to go to the place nobody else wants to go. And the first place is we were praying over the city probably about two years ago. We went down 23rd Ave. We went down 6th Ave. Went by the projects over there, and we began praying. We were at the Boys and Girls Club. We saw lookouts for gangs on almost every corner. We pulled in there. We just started praying. I said, this is where I think we need to do our first outreach, right here. We need to do something for kids right here. I had that vision. I had that in my heart. And then we get here, just the demands of church and everything going on slipped away from. We do a lot of homeless ministry. We do a lot of different things, but we never went to that place where God showed me. And so when we got back from inviting that first little phase, I felt like God was telling me to take the team and go out there and just invite everyone in that community. And I was like, no, nah, Lord, I ain't doing that. <laughs> I'm not in the mood for that. I'm tired. I want to go somewhere easy. I don't want to be. You know what I was wanting? I wanted to stay in my comfort zone. So God has a way of like, he, he swallowed Jonah up in the belly of a well. To get him to go where he needed to go. Thank God he didn't do that. But we, we walk out the door and we're about to go somewhere else. And this young girl walks up, probably in her 20s. And she walks up and she says, hey, could y'all give me a ride? I need to go to the chat inn. I was like, the chat inn? The Chattanooga inn? She said, no, it's the chat inn. I, said, I don't know what the chat inn is. And she said, it's not far. And immediately, my flesh, oh, this is a disruption. It's going to set us back. I know know y'all are very much more holy than I am. I was like, this is really going to really disrupt what we're doing today. It's going to really hold us back. So I was seeing how long it was going to take. So nine minutes out of the way. It's okay. So we'll give you a ride. I said, hop in. So we had about four of us, and then she got in the truck with us, and and we went down. And so she gets in there, and I ask her, and I say, well, you know, what's going on in your life? She said, well, I just got out of jail yesterday. I said, oh, I know exactly what that's like. She's like, you do? I was like, yeah, I know. I'm there. And I was like, well, what's your name? And she said, my name's Destiny. I said, Destiny? I said, that's a cool name. And I was like, okay, God, you, I was running for my destiny. You wanted me to go to this place, and now you sent Destiny to take me to my destiny. So she didn't know that she was helping me more than I was helping her. If you allow yourself to be disrupted every once in a while, the people that you minister to will minister to you more than you minister to them. You'll leave more blessed than they are. You can't write this stuff. You can't make this stuff up. I had four witnesses with me. I ain't lying. Name was Destiny. So I share my testimony with her. By the time we get to the chat in, which is on 23rd Ave, which is in the shadow of the projects that God was telling us to go and invite, we get to the parking lot, and she prays to receive Christ right there. In the parking lot. Destiny met destiny. I might preach a sermon when destiny meets destiny. I don't know. But so then I told the team, I said, hey, I know this is a curveball. I said, but I feel like God was wanting me to go over here earlier, but I didn't. But then he sent destiny, and now we're already over here. I said, would you all want to go and invite over here? And they're like, well, if you, if, and, and then we had one girl, I had Allison with us. She's like, well, if you stay closer to me this time, I'll, I'll go, you yeah. know. 
She was ready, and we were all ready, and we prayed for protection. We went in there, and people said, you know, you go over there, they'll throw rocks at your car if you're not from around there. Ain't nobody throw no rock at our car. You know what? They welcomed us. They invited us. You didn't have one problem. We're sitting there, and we put a door hanger on every single one of those doors. And this one lady, she ran in, I ran in there, I was talking to her. I said, hey, ma'am, I said, I got a question. How are you doing today? We were talking. She said, oh, City Light Church, I know exactly where it's. I said, come see us. And then she said, I would love to. And she's, I said, hey, these right here, I said, I put one on the front and the back. I said, is that two separate ones or is that just one? She said, oh, it's one, honey. She said, but some of them need to be hit twice. <laughs> I said, I said so, so, so let's go. We hit them twice. You know what? I realized they were glad that we were there. She was glad that we were there. And, and I'll tell you, a girl named Destiny who said she can't go to the gas station without being asked how much for her body. In the middle of one of the, of one of the most uh, difficult, most challenging places in the city where drugs and gangs are running rampant, a light, a light is bursting forth. A light is bursting forth. And that light's City Light Church. And so I say that to say this. Invite everybody. Get out of your comfort zone this week. Because nothing great ever happened in in comfort. I don't see one miracle in scripture that happened in a comfortable environment. I don't see one great move of God that ever took place in the book of Acts. And it was a comfortable environment. Do you know what I've discovered? Nothing miraculous, no big purpose ever takes place in your comfort zone. So get out of your comfort, step into your calling, and walk in your destiny. And you'll be blown away by it. Can't wait to hear what God is. If we just reach one person out of those hundreds of invites we give out, it's more than worth what we did. That invitation could lead to a salvation. So maybe you're here today. And you can relate to the woman in the passage. You're guilty as charged. You know, I've got major sin in my life. And I wondered how God was going to treat me. I wonder if he could forgive me. I wonder if he could accept me. And you see this woman that was caught in major sin. He invited her just as she was. And he changed everything about her life. And Jesus looks to you. Even though people may be criticizing you and talking about you. He says, don't worry about them. Don't look at them. Look to me. Come to me. All who are heavy laden. All who are burdened. And I will give you rest come to him are you going to turn away from him or are you going to turn to him you might be a little pharisaical you're kind of like a pharisee and god's really convicting you because you've been prideful you've been critical of people and you've been the holy spirit and god's convicting you you gotta ask are you gonna turn away from jesus today are you gonna come to this altar you're gonna drop the rocks and lay it at the feet of Jesus, regardless of who you are, where you are, where you find yourself, Jesus would say to you, Come to me and come to me now. And listen, as we come to him, we need to leave here and we need to go out and we need to bring people in. This is what Jesus said. I'm done with this. Sorry, y'all. I promise I'm really done. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 14. He said, Go out quickly into the streets. Quickly. Why did he say go out quickly? He's speaking with a sense of urgency. Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room.
Still room. Then the master told a servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in too so that my house will be full. What do we see? Everyone is invited and there's always room for one more. There's always room. There's always room for one more to be accepted into the family of God. There's always room. And here's a promise I want to make you as the pastor at City Light Church. No matter how many people we have coming to our church, we will always make room for one more. You say, well, if we all bring somebody, well, we're going to be full in here. What are we going to do, pastor? You're going to have to buy a new building. No, we'll just add another service. We got to build a new building. We can just add another service. You know what we could do? We could put some more seats in here. We might just have to bang out this wall right here and extend out. You know what we're going to do? We're going to do whatever we got to do to make room for just one more. One more. We'll go out to the city. We'll get everybody in the city. If we still got room, you know what? We'll go out to the country. We'll get everybody. Reach everybody. This message is for every. One. So thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks for those of you that give generously to City Light Church. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to begin partnering with us financially, you can click the link to give now in the description, or you can go to citylightchurch.cc forward slash give. And if God is using this podcast in your life, you can subscribe today. You can click the share button and help us get the word out to the world. Thank you for listening. And God bless.